0: When it comes to space games, nobody compares to Atari. Excuse me. Have you compared them to Intellivision? Intellivision? Sure, they've got great space games, like Intellivision Space Battle. I didn't know. And now there's Space Armada and the incredible Astro Smash. I didn't know. Here, compare for yourself. Intellivision Space Games from Mattel Electronics. Once you compare, you'll know.
1: Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game, and occasionally an Intellivision game, and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 308. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. That's right. It's Intellivision Month here at Atari Bytes. Every year, as you know, if you've been listening for a while, in June, we devote the episodes to the Intellivision. Why do we do this? Well, simply because I have an Intellivision, and I feel sad for it uh, not getting to play, along with its friends. So, I use these episodes to uh, to highlight all that is good, and not so good, maybe, about the famed Intellivision. The console that I had before I had a, an Atari, because Dad was a career Sears man, and he told me to wait on that Atari thing Sure, we could get an Atari now, but if you wait till Christmas, there's this new thing, the Sears TeleGames, coming out, and it's going to be amazing. So we did, and it was fine, um, fine enough that I still have it and uh, the games that I had as a kid. But it was an Atari, so I ended up getting an Atari as well. But we're going to use this episode for in television, because because that's what we're doing. Wow, I had no finish for that sentence.
0: Ah! stand this i'm going to get a glass of water
1: not much in the way of feedback this episode hope all of you are doing well resting up your feedbacking fingers or voices if you want to call me want to send me an email send me a social media post something uh, so that i can share that in the future because you guys know if you don't feed back you don't feed me back if i may then you just have to listen to me even more each episode, so really it's about saving you guys from me having you do that feedback. So just keep that in mind. All right, then. Let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is Space Hawk from Mattel, 1982. So the front of the manual tells us that this is for color TV viewing only. Not sure why. It has something to do with the specs of the Intellivision. But as far as the game itself... Uh, as we'll get into it here in a minute, it's all primary colors, right? In television games in particular, like uh, you know, bright red and blue and green and yellow for everything. The picture on the front of the manual here has a lot of sort of blocky looking uh, circles, which is odd. And a thing that looks like a white X, but is actually a hawk. It's the, the titular hawk in Space Hawk uh, in your little... Stick figure guy, and some other little things on here that we're told, and in a moment we'll be told what they are. The situation, the manual says Imagine a hunter. A hunter alone in deep space. You control his movements. He's armed with a gas blaster. Insert your joke here. His prime target is the white space hawk. If a hawk, deadly gas bubbles, comets, or amoebas touch the hunter, he tumbles into infinity. An amoeba, by the way, is a one cell organism which has the ability to alter its shape primarily by extending and retracting and retracting pseudopods. They move about by extending finger-like projections of protoplasm and are either free-living in damp environments or parasitic. Space Amoeba was a 1970 Japanese uh, caillou film directed by Ishiro Honda. A space probe is infiltrated by alien beings and then crashes on a remote-specific atoll. A group planning to build a resort hotel land on the island, and discovered to be inhabited by giant mutant monsters created by the aliens in an attempt to conquer the world. I tried asking the internet if there is, if there are amoebas in space, and all I keep coming up with is that Japanese invasion movie, and Memory Alpha, which is a Star Trek fan site, telling us that the space amoeba was a large space-dwelling single-celled organism of unknown origin surrounded by a field of negative negative energy, with over 40 chromosomes, 11,000 miles in diameter, and had a width varying from 2,000 to 3,000 miles. The Enterprise encounters it in 2268 on the way to Starbase 6. This, I think, is from the episode of TNG, Relics, uh, at least according to this entry on memory alpha. Actually, I guess he references it. It's actually from the original series. All you Star Trek fans probably knew that. If you want to jump in here and tell me about space amoebas in Star Trek... Uh, I'm all for that. Has anyone been watching Strange New Worlds, by the way? The new Star Trek series? I'm kind of digging it, because it's got that old Trek vibe, obviously, which Discovery didn't have, and is probably why I wasn't into it. So uh, let me know what you think of Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, or Amoebas, or anything, really. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Space Hawk. Now you can play most all the video games you'd ever want to play. Introducing the Sears Cartridge Telegame System. Over 150
0: video games, all on cartridges. This cartridge of 27 target games is included. But you can get more cartridges that have tank games, space war games, blackjack, speedway. Over 150 video games
1: so far. The Sears Cartridge Telegame System. Sold only at Sears. So, you're a hunter alone in deep space, armed with a gas blaster... And your prime target is the white space hawk. If a hawk, deadly gas bubbles, comets, or amoebas touch the hunter, you tumble into infinity. There are just three ways to escape. Move out fast under backpack rocket power, shoot away the danger, go into hyperspace. The longer the game goes on, the more exciting it becomes. So, get the hawk! Um, You can play against the computer or go for a big peak score by hitting the targets many more times than you are hit yourself. Shoot a hawk three times for big scores, hit bubbles and comets for added points. Get extra hunters when you when your peak score rises to higher levels. Use hyperspace to escape from hopeless situations. Or play varieties of the game with a friend to team up for high scores or have sabotage contests. I did not have the overlay for my controller with this, but there is one, of course. And what you get on there are numbered buttons 1, 2, and 3, which uh, control the firing mode and game speed. Then you have a button that controls your drive mode, buttons on the side of the controller, one, the top one is to fire your ray gun, the lower one is for your rocket thrust, there are buttons on the overlay for aiming mode, and for freeze action score readout. I never used that button actually. Oh, and there's a button to jump into hyperspace. In the field report I did not demonstrate going into hyperspace, but all that happens really is you get this flash of light on the screen, and Then basically all the enemies that were about to kill you disappear for a second, although the starfield itself looks pretty much the same. To get high scores you have to know, according to the manual, how to move. You start out with five hunters, one of them in the center, four others in reserve. Press either lower action button, thrust, to activate the hunter's backpack jet. At the start of the game you are in drift mode. When you release the thrust button your hunter keeps drifting through space. To change directions, press the disc to turn the figure, then press thrust again. It's actually kind of creepy because it is literally just your little stick figure guy, just kind of floating there in space, no ship or even a visible rocket. But that's just down to the limitations of the the pixels and whatnot. But it's still kind of creepy looking. Your dude just kind of floating there. So when you hit the direct drive by pressing the direct key on the keypad. This gives you more immediate control when you press thrust because there's no inertial movement. You can switch back and forth between drift and direct whenever you want to. You start out the game in quick mode, turning immediately to aim toward the direction where you want, where you press the edge of the disc. To make the hunter's aim and motion point toward the top of the screen, press the top of the disc, toward the left, press the left side, etc, etc. You can switch to a more gradual aiming mode by pressing the smooth key. In this mode, the figure turns clockwise, as long as you press the right half of the disc. It turns counterclockwise while you press the left half. You can switch back and forth between the modes whenever you want to. I think I pretty much stayed in quick mode uh, mostly because I forgot the other option. There are several types of targets. Hitting uh, two on the keypad is for single shot, and one is for auto-fire, where the computer automatically fires repeated rounds for you. I was using single shot the whole time, the manual suggests using auto fire while you learn the game so you can concentrate on getting good at aiming and directing your hunter. Rounds fired from the blaster spread out as they get farther away so you can hit targets at long range. It honestly does look like you're shooting out little farts of green gas. If you're farting green gas by the way, maybe go see somebody. Don't shoot targets at very close range because the explosion could blow up your hunter. You start the game with 500 points and your score goes up or down according to this system. When your score is displayed, the number in the lower right corner is the current scoring multiple. It increases at higher score levels and determines how often you can get an extra hunter. Multiples uh, range from 1 to 6. Every time you hear a two-note signal, it means your score has risen high enough to make the game somewhat harder. Your score goes up when you shoot a bubble, a double big bubble, a one big hawk three times, a comet, a one small hawk three times, or a rainbow bubble. And there's a little graph in the manual, should you want to look that up, that lays all this out. The amoebas appear as pulsating gray blobs, which chase you. You can't stop them by shooting. You just have to move away or use your hyperspace. You have to hit the space hawk three times to destroy it and get the points. If your hunter is hit by any bubble, comet, amoeba, or hawk, you lose points in one of your hunters. When all your hunters are gone, the game is over and your peak score is displayed. You can avoid being hit by using the thrust button and the disc to move out of the way. You can fire at the approaching object, except for amoebas, in which case you have to use your hyperspace or take evasive action. Or you can press the hyperspace, which moves you instantly to another place, far from all the targets and objects. Don't use hyperspace too often, though, because you lose points every time you use it. And there's a chart for that as well. Every once in a while, your space hunter will move near a black hole, and the computer will automatically put him into hyperspace. This will cost you the same number of points as if you had pressed the hyperspace key yourself. But on the other hand, it does save your hunter. The shooting stars, which appear from the beginning of the game, not hit your figure, nor can you shoot them. This is also true of the stationary background stars and small colored celestial bodies. As I said, you can also play with a friend, if you have friends, in which case you take turns controlling the space hunter, switching off every time he gets hit, or... You could do teamwork kind of thing, where one player controls aiming and thrust while the other player fires the blaster, or one player shoots and uses thrust while the other aims and controls hyperspace, or whatever. I'm not sure how you do that with one controller, but okay. Uh, There's also sabotage. One player tries to get the best possible score while his opponent uses the other hand controller to change shooting, drive, and aiming modes. Everything except hyperspace. When the game is over, switch roles and see who is able to overcome the sabotage to get the higher peak score. I guess in all the manuals I've looked at for these various games, various systems, I've never seen one that had a game variation suggested which involves one of you trying to, explicitly trying to make the other one get a lower score. Of course, you're always competing, but this one's like actively building it into the game that you are trying to take down the other player. Interesting. When the game is over, press any button or key. You'll see Space Hawk title screen and can start b- again from the beginning. You'll see the Space Hawk title screen and you can start again from the beginning. Mattel Electronics and Television, Intelligent Television. Oh, that reminds me. At the beginning of the episode, put in the Intellivision commercial before the uh, opening theme. And that is how you play Space Hawk from Mattel for the Intellivision Intelligent Television.
0: I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast all about life lessons growing up and every episode a segment about music music that i love artists that i admire and sometimes even my own music you can find autobiography of a schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers or you can go to schnookpodcast.com that's s-c-h-n-o-o-k podcast.com and I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that autobiography of a schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way.
1: Spacehawk, as I noted earlier, was released in 82 by Mattel. It was a reworked version of a previously planned clone of Asteroids. I won't explain Asteroids to you, we all know how what Asteroids is. It was designed by Bill Fisher, and also released for the Super Video Arcade. Sears' private label version of the Intellivision console. It was the second attempt to create a version of Asteroids. After company lawyers demanded changes for fear of a lawsuit, the first reworking became Astro Smash, which I think I might have done on the show already. Programmer Bill Fisher began working with the previous prototype with the intent of developing a game similar to Asteroids, but different enough to avoid legal action. A bug was discovered that would randomly trigger hyperspace even when the corresponding button on the controller was not pressed. It was determined that simultaneously pressing the controller disk in a certain direction and using the controller's side action buttons was being interpreted by the console as pressing the key on the keypad that activated hyperspace. The bug could not be removed completely, so the developers added the black holes to explain why the player would sometimes jump to hyperspace at random. Sneaky. It was re-released, the game was, as part of Intellivision Lives, uh, that collection for personal computers and newer generation game consoles. And in March 2010, Spacehawk was one of the launch titles for Microsoft's now-defunct Game Room service on its Xbox 360 console and games for Windows Live. The blueskyrangers.com say, say that uh, the fix of this uh, hyperspace glitch thing led to an axiom that was frequently said around the Intellivision headquarters, or Mattel headquarters, if you document it, it's not a bug, it's a feature. Anytime time a game in development crashed, no matter how badly or bizarrely, witnesses would invariably turn to the frustrated programmer, shrug, and calmly say, Document it. NTV Funhouse says that although many people pan Space Hawk as some poor, lame asteroid's knockoff, uh, the reviewer likes the sound effects and the option for direct drive versus drift drive. If you're wondering, according to Alter.com, on Monday, November 16, 1981, a trademark application was filed for Space Hawk with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Trademark is owned by Mattel Inc. The Space Hawk trademark is filed in the Toys and Sporting Goods Products category with the following description. Equipment sold as unit for playing a digital play display game, sometimes known as game cartridges. Alright, well, after the break, we find plenty of space to hawk the rest of this podcast to you. control to Major Henry. We're floating in a tin can high above the Intellivision. It's Intellivision month. We're playing Space Hawk. Spoiler, there's not a single hawk in the game. But there's some other interesting stuff, so let's take a look. That's me. Wave. Me. (coughs) Thrusting, thrusting, (coughs) thrusting. Releasing my gas. Insert joke here, with my gas blaster. Try, I'm going to direct mode. See if I, can. I have a little more control over that. Seriously, insert your own jokes. It's kind of creepy, this guy just kind of floating up there in space. The rest of it is pretty much what I would expect from a television. Lots of bright colors and flashy stuff. When I saw this game, I expected, you know, asteroids basically. But it's, it's a bit more than asteroids. You gotta adjust your thrust. You shoot that thing. That's the hawk, I guess. I misspoke earlier. There is a hawk. It's that white thing. It doesn't really look like a hawk. And why would there be a hawk in space? But just killed me. The colored circle things. I'm doing really bad right now I'm trying to talk to you and play at the same time. Like I said, asteroids basically just float down and shoot stuff. This one you gotta adjust your thrust and then you gotta adjust it back the other way to shoot stuff. It's all very frustrating. Peak score, actually. That's the best score I've had today. Spoiler Space Hawk, perhaps not my game, but maybe it's yours. Let me know. Back to you in the studio. Hey
0: everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8 bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge based games for Atari's 8 bit computer line? We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's X-E-G-S, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in.
1: Second Duck on the right and other very short stories is my new short story collection. Duck Con Artists, Zombies, Things on Fire, Supervillain Angst, and A Future Without Poop are just a few of the topics in these stories. Also the occasional really bad poem. Waddle on over to your favorite bookseller or swim downstream to my website, Tarnival of Glee for more information. Insert Quacking Up Joke here. Here's the thing about Space Hawk for the Intellivision. I, like many people, really did expect to sit down and just more or less play Asteroids on the Intellivision. Which would have been fine. Asteroids is uh, a fun game. Got no problems with it. But Space Hawk has a little bit more going on. Uh, One is just the the compelling creepiness of it. With your little dude floating through space. For some reason I can't get my mind off of that. Because it is weird. The other thing it's got going for it is this whole, albeit annoying, thrust and rocket power propulsion and whatnot. You know, push yourself this way and shoot that way. And here's a amoeba. You can shoot. You can't shoot the amoeba, but you can shoot the uh, the gas bubble. And you've got your gas blaster. and, And the hawk. Why there's a hawk in space? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. But just ignore that. Why you have to shoot that three times? This thing that shouldn't be there anyway. It's got all this complicated stuff that Asteroids doesn't have. Even though, I guess at the base level, they are both the same. Your dude floating through space, shooting stuff that's flying at you. But it's a formula that works. I enjoyed it on even a more complicated, slightly level than I planned. And I would go play it some more. As always, that's my metric for a good game. So, good job, Mattel. Documented glitches or not. If you guys have thoughts about Space Hawk or anything else, get a hold of me. It's story
0: time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time.
1: With Bill. This week's story comes to us from... Bad Poetry Corner, and is titled, Space for Hawks. High above the hawks soar by, scan the horizon, near and far. Up with the sun, nest beneath stars. Their world is anywhere they fly. Prey run fast when they see these guys. Falconiforms, not just eagles. Hawks and falcons, all so regal. But for all their power, one thing, just one, could be their undoing. Us. Doing badly, though legal. We know we can't kill hawks. It's wrong. Yet our actions show we don't care. Clear cut. Wildfires. Shot in the air. And climate is our siren song. Vultures don't hang around for long. Screw birds, you think. So no worries. Water, land, air. Ours. No hurry. Our carbon footprint is from cleats. Step to a point where we can meet. Maybe we can check Earth's fury.
0: Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and just wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the vertical blank. Now, back to Bill.
1: And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Soar over to the space known on Apple Podcasts, known as Apple Podcasts, like The Mighty Hawk and Dive Bomb, unsuspecting potential listeners with a five star review of this show. Email the show at Atari Bytes twenty sixteen at gmail dot com, like the show on our Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee, and check us out on Instagram. You can call us too, leave a voicemail at five six three two six five nineteen seventy eight about pretty much anything you want, and I'll play it on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com, dot carnival of glee creations dot com You're going to get information and links to this show, Atari Bytes, and my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. You're going to find out information about stuff that I've done, including books that I've written, like Second Duck on the Right and other very short stories. All of that is over there at CarnivalOfGleeCreations.com. You can also help out by supporting the show on Patreon.com. Atari Bytes has a page over there, and you should go there and sign up. Patrons get stuff including early access to episodes, bonus content, my eternal gratitude, all sorts of things. You also get to join an exclusive club with these patrons who have my eternal gratitude. Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jeremy L., Mark Super, and Jim Goble. Fine folks, one and all. All right, we're just about done. All that's left is to tell you next time on Atari Bytes television Month continues with Space Spartans, so I suspect that is in space, or in a space anyway, and the Spartans are running around willy-nilly in that space, getting up to all sorts of hijinks, and we'll check it out next time on the show. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. We'll be right back.
0: we oh.